All right, so welcome to this next edition of our Sounds of Session. And today, uh, couldn't be more uh, privileged to have with us uh, not just a good friend, important policymaker, but someone who's just downright entertaining, to be honest with you. But uh, State Senator Fred Mills. And if you don't know Senator Mills, you're really missing out. Um, he is a longtime legislator uh, from the Bro Bridge area. Uh, universally liked all throughout the Capitol and also usually respect, universally respected for his knowledge and experience in business and especially in healthcare. And so we have him here today. We want to talk to him a little bit about a range of issues from his business, what he's here at the ground level, um, what it's like on a pharmacy in, in, uh, in a COVID time, and some of the issues we expect to kind of handle in the health and welfare space coming up in this session. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome uh, my friend, uh, Senator Fred Mills. Uh, Fred, how you doing? Stephen, it's a, a pleasure to be with you. And for the listeners, if you keep hearing me say the word WAGS, you know that's the nickname. We go a long way back, you and I. And I want to thank you before we get started for the work that you and your team do at Lobby representing us in business. Uh, I really appreciate it. For everybody that's listening, the work that Stephen and his team do, it, it's most appreciated by people like myself that are members in, in the organization. Well, I will confess it's hard for me not to call you T-Fred, too. Oh, no, call me T-Fred. So. We'll, we'll both decide whether to use the nicknames or not as we start this conversation. But no, I, I appreciate your comments and also just appreciate how you would tackle uh, public service. You've always done it with intellect, integrity, and, and also a good sense of humor. And uh, a good sense of humor goes a long way in the Capitol uh, all the time, but especially uh, this year. So it's thank a pleasure you. Pleasure to be with you. Pleasure to be with you. All right. So let's let's take the legislative hat and set that aside for a second. And let's talk about, you know, Fred, the businessman. And so you know, obviously, you know, you, you own a pharmacy, you're, you're, at, you're involved with a bank, um, you've had other business ventures throughout the year. Talk a little bit as a business person, what has it been like to own um, a small business in the, the era of the pandemic? And how has that situation impacted you and your customers? That's a, a great question. You know, I'm president of a bank and president of a, a, a drugstore. So I guess I'm in drugs and money, Wags, is my main <laughs> occupation. I think it's universal uh, for right now. And, and, and I know you've tackled the issue. I think the first thing is, is just the workforce. You know, I would say almost on a day-to-day -day basis, you're hoping that you don't have COVID-19 positive employees or you have employees that you have to isolate for 10 to 14 days because they've come in contact with the virus. So from a workforce standpoint, that has been a tremendous challenge. From our business standpoint, we've tried to be as adaptive as we can. You know, from the standpoint in early March, April, we just didn't know how contagious the virus was. So we offered curbside service. If people just tooted their horn, we went out with a mask and, and waited on them. We accelerated our delivery service to be more um, just, you know, understanding, especially of that 70-year-old age group and above, because they just didn't want to come out. Our front-end business suffered, and thank God for the PPP program, because we were able to retain our employees. And from a bank level, we really got involved in the PPP program. So there's been a, a lot of different moving parts, but I would bet that all of your listeners have had a challenge just to make sure that that workforce is in place. You know, interesting, I'm glad you brought up the PPP program. Um, what was your experience with that? Obviously, the federal government, for those that aren't familiar with it back home, the PPP program was a kind of a new program put in place by Congress to help with the uh, pandemic. And it actually utilized the strengths and networks of local banks to send money directly to local banks through the SBA and have them reach out to their customers and work through to keep folks um, afloat and be able to pay their bills during the pandemic shutdown. 
It was a new um, program for the feds, also a new program for a lot of local banks. Talk yeah. a little bit about how that experience was and whether you there are some lessons learned there that you think we should think about. That's, that is a great question. I, I guess I'd, if I had to give you a summary for all the business people listening to this, it was like you were trying to build a car on I-10 going 100 miles an hour and you just started with the motor. It was, it was one of the toughest things from a business standpoint because the Small Business Administration would keep promulgating rules about every three to four days and, and the ground rules kept changing. So for the business owner, there's a tremendous amount of frustration because they weren't sure who was eligible, what were the criteria to, to become part of the program. From the accounting standpoint, accountants were really upset because they were getting changes of rules at midstream. And from a bank standpoint, you know, you had just the same amount of personnel that you had to basically form a brand new division of the bank. And then where this thing got really crazy and so many businesses will, will relate to it, we just didn't know when the pot of money would be basically evaporated. So not only we were trying to process all of these PPP applications, we were running against the clock to see would that tranche of money basically not be available. Uh, I would say that the Louisiana banks did a fabulous job of interacting with the businesses. And I cannot tell you how many businesses have uh, said thank you to banks for working with them. And for us, it was a pleasure to be able to help our small businesses and large businesses in our area. I think that's well stated. I think the banks stepped up tremendously, um, especially those community banks that everyone knows so well stepped up tremendously in this aspect. And I've talked to a number of small businesses that without that PPP loan that was based upon that relationship with their local banker, they don't know where they'd have been. Now, let me ask you this. Are you participating in the second round of PPP? Yes, we are. And, and as we speak, uh, I had a conference call right before you and I joined each other because we have a few businesses that we know qualify. They meet the 25% reduction in, in revenue as probably most of your listeners know but there's some glitches still with the SBA website. And we have a few that are totally in limbo, but we had a call with the Louisiana Bankers Association just a, a couple of days ago, and it's a systemic problem within SBA. So, you know, I would tell all the businesses, just bear with your bank, bear with your accountants, and uh, we'll get through it, but there still are some glitches in the system. Uh, and I always remind small businesses when you're when you're having frustrations dealing with your local banker, just remember, it could be worse. You could be dealing with some SBA bureaucrat in some cubicle in Washington, D.C. So you're much better off working with someone that you know and trust in your local community. And I would tell all the businesses listening, especially the smaller businesses, you just never know what's going to be out there, how long this, this virus situation is going to last from an economic standpoint. Keep great records. Just keep as good as records as you can, because if you have to prove a loss of income or you have to prove that you've maybe had some hardships financially, you got to have the data. And where we noticed the big businesses that came into our banks did a great job. The smaller, smaller businesses really struggled to get us that data. So just that's the tip I'd give for today for, for those, those businesses. That's great advice. Keep your records. Make sure that they're um, attainable anytime you need them because you never know when something like this is going to be needed. So great advice from the banking front. Let's switch to your other business. Sure. We'll go to drugs. Pharmacy, Cashway Pharmacy. And yes, whether sir. it's T-Fred or Top Pills or anyone in between, you are the brand in the face of that Cashway Pharmacy. And so, you know, obviously, the I would say the whole economy is waiting for that, that you know, customer confidence and that herd immunity, if you will, to kind of kick in so we can all get at least as close to back to normal as everyone's waiting for. Vaccine distribution is a big, big piece of that happening. Give us your take on how the vaccine is going, 
What are customers, you know, um, what has their behavior been? How's it been distributing it? Because local pharmacies are being used really as the tip of the spear in getting this out in so many areas around the state. So give us your take on how vaccine rollout has gone and how long do you think this process will go before uh, it becomes kind of on cruise control for you? You know, I will. And, and Wags, it's, it's, you know, we go a long way back, you and I, when you, you were working in the general administration, but you and Governor Jindal were extremely supportive to make sure that vaccinations could take place in a pharmacy. So give yourself a pat on the back because that was a, a tough, yeah, there you go. Tough piece. I mean, of I'm that. not that flexible, but I'll try my best. You know? <laughs> so it, it's, it shows sometimes that we had the vision to know that one day it would be a situation like that because we were together when H1N1 hit. And we didn't know if we had to call all, all forces on deck. I would tell you, I, I believe as of February 1st, 2021, that we are ready to go with mass vaccination. I've talked to health officers. I've talked to the health unit folks. I've talked to pharmacies, hospitals. The problem we have as of today is we do not have a supply of the vaccine, an, an adequate supply. I was on the, a call early this morning, Dr. Tina Stefanski in region four, which is the Acadiana area. And she said, as of this week, we'll probably get about 60,000 vaccines to distribute to 64 parishes. So you can tell we're just not getting the vaccines in place. As far as the system, as far as the distribution, I, I think we're ready to go. I really do think we're ready to go. Um, as far as the public, the calls that I'm getting is from that generation of 70 and above and 65 and above saying, listen, I want the vaccine. I, I, I want my life back to normal. I want to go see the grandkids. I want to go out there and I want to enjoy life again. And I think the younger generation has been very respectful to that group. Like, let's make sure they get their vaccination first. Let's make sure the first line support guys have it. So I think, th I think it's all there. We just don't have enough product yet. And so do, do you have any guidance or input as to when that will change? Are they expecting it to ramp up or is this kind of the, the, the current normal for quite a while? What I'm hearing, and I, I knew I had to get, I, I was gonna get the interview with you today. So I went to get up-to-date information. We're hoping with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, if that is approved, which has a much better storage shelf life, we're hoping that that, that can open up the spigots. Now, I think FDA is gonna be looking at that in the next week to two. I would say in the next two to three weeks, I don't see a big rush of supply yet. I'm, I might be wrong and I hope yeah. I'm wrong. I'm sorry, uh, the Johnson Johnson, that's a single shot, correct? Yes, it's a single shot and the storage is much better. You have a long expiration, like a six month expiration and, a, and you can keep it in just a normal refrigerated uh, facility. So that makes it where we used to having the flu vaccine, everything else. So I, I think that's gonna make life a lot easier. So, um, but as far as if you're looking at the next two to three weeks, I think we're going to still trickle in with 60, 70,000 vaccines for 64 parishes. And what the government is trying to do is make sure that every parish at least gets some distribution. Now, the pharmacy that I own, we just received vaccine this morning. That was our first tranche of receiving it. Uh, so we, we're geared up. We've got about 300 folks that we're going to start methodically calling. And um, I, I'm optimistic, as a, and I know I'm repeating myself, we just don't have enough product yet. And what did you have to do to retrofit for the storage? You mentioned a more complicated storage with the current vaccine. Was it to bring in additional equipment or enhance some of your, your refrigeration? Talk, talk about what you had to do to prepare for that. 
Well, some of the drugstores they'd received the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, it's 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 with dry ice. It's a certain type of uh, kind of like a, a, I guess almost an ice chest type situation. We have to keep the dry ice in there, and I think it has about a thirty day shelf life to it. Once you open up the vial, the sh shelf life is is just not as robust. So that's one thing that we've been told as healthcare professionals: if you have a vaccine. That 70-year-old group it gets priority, but if at the end of the day you've got two or three vaccines left that you'd have to dispose of, find an arm to get it into. The Moderna vaccine is more in a freezer type situation, which you have in your refrigerator, and the the uh, Johnson and Johnson is just refrigeration. So it's um, it's 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 uh, it's been a challenge, but I think the Johnson and Johnson vaccine will make life more uh, more adaptable to tell you, Wags. Well, you got to be careful leaving a bunch of uh, ice chests lying around in Louisiana. People are going to open that up, see if you got a cold beer in there. So, I hope you got they'll, those duct tape. They'll start a party. They'll start a party. <laughs> an ice chest, it's either something real good to cook or they're going to start a party right away. You're right. I like, you're right. I like how you're thinking. Um, so, okay, so let's pivot um, from the business side to your elective service side. Obviously, for the folks that don't know, you are the chair of the Senate Health and Welfare Committee, obviously, a very important committee on any given year but especially in a year where we're coming off of a pandemic response. What are some of the things that you're thinking about going into the next session that your committee may need to take up or some of the important issues to at least examine further? Sure. You know, with COVID-19, there's a lot of lessons we learned. I, I think, and you'll know this from your years of experience, we, we have a, a several emergency orders that the governor has out there to relax certain practice standards of physicians. And of uh, uh, PAs, uh, LPNs, nurses. And, and right now we're giving them blanket authority to do certain things. I think these professionals, especially nurses and, and physicians assistants are gonna come back to the legislature and say, listen, you gave me more authority to do certain things right now. It's worked. Now we need to legislatively do that, in, in, increase their scope of practice. And you know, from your years of service, that can be a really complicated piece of legislation. So I think you'll see that telemedicine has been a godsend. And I think we have laws in place for telemedicine, but I, I think there'll be more issues, maybe making it a little bit more accessible and probably payment issues will become an issue. So from lobby standpoint, I, I think physicians may come back and say, listen, for this telemedicine visit, I'm getting X amount of dollars. For the patient visit, I'm getting X amount of dollars. I'm hearing a, a national issue is gonna become payment parity to make sure that everybody's kind of paid the same. That could be a tug of war between the insurance industry and providers and hospitals. So from a lobby standpoint, I know you guys sometimes get highly involved in that to make sure that it doesn't impact businesses. So I would be on the watch for that. One issue that I've been just really working on that I think is a big issue that we should all just pay attention. Our water system in Louisiana, which comes to health and welfare, that issue, but our entire water system infrastructure, especially our smaller towns, we're rated by independent engineering firms at D minus, a D minus on, on our entire water system. A big issue I think we're going to be facing over the next few years is, is to make sure we either can consolidate some of those systems that aren't productive, that, that, that's going to cost a lot of money, but just to get our water system the acceptable level it's going to take $5 billion over many, many years just to get it in place. So one thing I'm trying to work on is to get something that is more reportable that we can understand. As we've done with the educational system, that if you have a failing school, it's F-rated. If you have a, a high achieving school, it's an A-rated school. 
I really think water systems should be understandable for businesses and consumers that if your water system is rated an F, well, let's have a conversation. We, we can understand an F. We can't understand some of these levels of, of chemical ratings. So that's a big issue that I think is going to be in the forefront of health and welfare. I think the whole, the whole world has become much more in tune with sanitary conditions, how to ensure that we're all living as much of a germ-free lifestyle as we possibly can. And so I think that is a natural evolution to kind of figure out how we educate the consumers on what are some of those, um, you know, uh, situations in their community and what can they do to help improve it where it's needed. So I think that's smart, smart to look into. Yeah. And I guess the other thing, Wags, is going to be hard to predict. I have to say that the health and welfare bills that we had introduced last session, I think it was about 33 of them, but every legislator in the Senate that saw that in March and April, we just didn't know what was next. And we didn't want committee rooms just jammed with people. And we just didn't. So everybody deferred their legislation for this session. And as you know, with five non-fiscal bills, I think there's a pent-up demand of legislation. But I think that'll be the main topics of discussion. And also, which is big, is you know, Medicaid, managed care organizations, how we're implementing that because the program continues to grow. So I think there'll be some discussions on the Medicaid program also. Well, if there's one thing we do know, whatever, if it's these issues or any others we're not talking about, you'll probably be in the center of any of it as your role of, uh, of chairman of Senate Health. So uh, Senator Mills, a, a true Renaissance man uh, on the leading edge with the PPP laws, a banker on the leading edge as vaccine rollout as a pharmacist and on the leading edge as an important policymaker in the health and welfare space when it comes to the Senate, uh, especially. So look, with that, I wanna appreciate uh, so much all that you do and you taking the time today. And um, any parting words you have for those listening on what they should be on lookout for? Well, as we know, wash your hands six feet away and continue to pay your lobby dues because we need the good works of lobby. So uh, one commercial, when you send me my next dues, I'm gonna gladly write my check because we couldn't make it without you guys. I always knew you aimed to please. I always knew that about you. <laughs> and you got me on that one, Wags. All right, my friend, T. Fred, Tom Pills himself, Senator Fred Mills. Thank you, Senator. You have a great day. Bye, everybody. Y'all keep, keep safe. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.